Um, it is so cool to have the whole family here together. Now, if you're with us um, for the first time, you're thinking, this is weird, like the kids are in here and everything. Normally our kids are down in Kids City, but Christmas time, man, I just love to get the family together. And I know, I totally get that we're taking a risk here, right? Um, I get that kids could say something inappropriate at any time, um, but we're prepared for that. We're not, I'm not scared of that at all. It makes it a lot more fun. I was at a wedding yesterday. Josh and Whitney from our church got married yesterday. Phil um, helped do that wedding ceremony, and I was there. And um, I remember the best part of the whole ceremony, I know from the bride and groom's perspective, it was you may kiss the bride. But from my perspective, the best part was when Phil asked the entire sanctuary to bow their heads and silently pray for the couple. And I mean, you couldn't have timed it any better. We bowed our heads, and I heard this girl go, I really need to go (laughs) pee-pee. So, like, sometimes kids say that stuff, it's all good. And today, if a a kid says that, it's all right. We got bathrooms. Now, if a deep male voice says it, we got problems, right? I've really got to go (laughs) pee-pee. Just just don't tell us, just go. Um, But it's good to have the family together. And um, if you're here from my town, again, if you're visiting with family, thanks for spending your Christmas Sunday with us. Um, we have been this month doing a series called Like a Child. Um, I I don't know, probably because I am a kid, but I don't know if there's a better lens to look at the world than through the the eyes of a child, right? Kids are just, I love children. I love what they say, what they think. I love how they say what they think. Um, I just love the honesty of kids. And so we've been taking this whole month based off of Matthew 18, 3. Jesus said this, and again, he's talking to his disciples, right? So you probably know people that don't love Jesus, right? I mean, hopefully you're not that person, but if you are, it's good to have you, right? And hopefully by the end of the day, you'll fall in love with Jesus. But he's not talking to people in this passage that don't love him. In Matthew 18, 3, Jesus, towards the end of his ministry, looks at his disciples, people that have been following him, and he says this, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Those are strong words from Jesus to his disciples. If you don't change and become like a child, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So the entire series called Like a Child is based off of that. Like if, if Jesus is looking at us and saying, we've got to become like a child, what in the world does that mean? Right? Do we just walk around on our knees so we're shorter? Do we get sloppy when we eat? What does it mean to, to be like a child? So we've looked at a couple things. We talked about what does it mean to love like a child? And we said this, children love unconditionally, don't they? Now, I'm not telling you parents to do this, but the truth of the matter is you can just tick your kids off and they will turn around and hug you. They love unconditionally. Try that at work tomorrow with adults. Just tick somebody off at work tomorrow and go, come on, let's just hug it out. It's not going to happen, right? But kids love unconditionally. What does it mean to live like a child? Um, if we had to sum that up in one word, I would say this. Children live fearlessly, all right? And then last week we said, what, what does it mean to give like a child? Kids give generously, right? We said last week, it's crazy that kids do this because we don't as adults. But kids will give everything away. They'll give everything away for one simple reason. We learned it last week because they really believe there's more where that came from. They believe if I give away what I have, I can turn to my dad and say, I need some more and he'll give me some more. Now, we get older and realize, (laughs) maybe not, right? But kids give generously. And so last week, we gave you the opportunity to give. We do this thing every year called the Big Give. And so we ask you to give a separate offering. 100% of what comes in that offering, we take right out and give to nonprofits in our area who are already doing a great job. 
So last week, we got to give people gas, right? We threw gas on their fire. We threw gas on the fire of their passion. And last week, you gave $2,503. Just in a separate offering, one-time gift, $2,503. That's awesome. That is fantastic. That's how kids give. They just give generously. Because we learned last week that our Heavenly Father has unlimited resources. And so whatever we give away, He's always going to replenish that. Always. That's how we give like a child. Today... Since this is the Sunday before, all of us are going to be opening a lot of presents, right? Or at least some presents, at least one present. We're all going to open something. So today we thought, let's talk about this. What does it mean to receive like a child? How do kids receive? What does that look like? So we're going to look at three passages of Scripture, three different scenes in the Christmas story. The first one's going to be found in Luke chapter 2, and it starts on a, on a dark hill outside of Bethlehem. And it's with a bunch of people called shepherds. Now, shepherds back in the day were the worst people on the planet. They were the lowest of the low. They were the scum of the earth. They smelled bad. They had terrible, like, you know, uh, is it Mike Rowe that's made Dirty Jobs so popular, right? He he's like, has this great show doing really dirty jobs and it looks really cool. But they had dirty jobs and it was not on TV. They were, they were, not, they were not esteemed. They were the losers of their society. And they're sitting on a hill outside of Bethlehem. Just mind their own business. They've got, this, these are people, they're, they're doing the night shift at Walmart on a slow night. Right? They're just staring at the cans. Gave me something to do. I'm going crazy. Sitting on the hillside. And something happens on this night that never happened before. It's in Luke chapter 2. Verse 8, there were shepherds living, living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. You've heard some of this if you've heard the Christmas story. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of, good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, probably in orange cloth, and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. These are the men who got the very first clue to the very first Christmas scavenger hunt. I don't know how your family was, but in my family growing up, if you opened a package and pulled out a piece of paper instead of a present, it meant that you were going to go on a scavenger hunt. You were going to read this really cheesy clue that my mom tried to write because she wasn't a good poet, but she would give it a good shot. You know, like, roses are red, thoughts are blue, go that way. <laughs> hmm, okay, well, let's try that, right? So we would open this. If you opened that, it meant, it meant you were eventually going to go to another package with another clue to another package. And at some point, you were getting up outside getting a car or a pony. Never quite worked out that way at my house, okay? But what you did know was this, typically, those were the best presents, at least they were big enough that she didn't want to wrap them. So she'd hide them in a closet, right? Or you get in trouble because she would say, like, the next clue is hidden in the place where you put your dirty clothes. And she's thinking hamper, and you look under your bed, and then you're in trouble, right? She's like, that's not where dirty clothes go. They got the first clue. And I never realized this. I don't know how many times you've read that story. I've heard it preached. I've read it. I never noticed it. The angel never told them to go find them. Did you, did you see that? The angel said, don't be afraid. Um, I bring you good news, great joy. All the people of the whole world today, Savior's born. He's wrapped in cloths. He's lying in a manger. And then they impersonated elf. They're like, I'm in the sky and I'm singing. But 
nothing about go. He never told them to go. But the shepherds received the gift with passion. And passion moves. When you're really in love with someone, you don't do this. I love you. Awkward. Right? I love you. Passion moves. In, in a couple of hours at Bank of America Stadium today, tens of thousands of people will be moved by passion. Some of them will be men who should keep their shirts on, but they will take them off. Then they'll be kicked out of the stadium. But anyway, for a split second, they'll have their faces painted. There'll be men that are they're bankers, they're lawyers. They work at their desks like this. But they will be like, yeah! Because passion moves. These shepherds, look what it says. When they, the angels had left, they turned to each other and said, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see the thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And verse 16 starts off incredibly important words. So they took their time getting their stuff together. They thought about going. That's just, so they hurried off. Like, do you know people whose eyes bug out when they get excited? That's the shepherds. They're like, let's do this. Let's go find them. They received the gift with passion. I don't know how kids are in your house, but most kids receive gifts with passion. Oh, thank you, mother. Said no kid ever. Right? They just take it and rip it, and it's with passion. That's how kids are. You want to receive like a child? Man, learn how to receive with passion. These shepherds, they move passionately to find Jesus, and then they move passionately to tell others where to find Jesus. I don't mean it's like in a, you have to earn your way to heaven or earn your salvation, but I'm just going to be really blunt, right? Who are we as a church to say that we're passionate about Jesus if we can't be moved to get out of bed? We're, I'm passionate about Jesus. Well, what are you reading in the Bible? Uh, I hadn't read it in a couple months. Passion moves. They moved. They heard the good news. They received a gift and they received it with passion. Here's the good news for us. It's possible that you're here and you, you feel like an outcast. You feel like an afterthought. It's possible that you smell as bad as a shepherd. I'm hoping not for the people that are near you. But you could be here and you could, you could relate to the people that were on the, the outs in culture. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's how you feel. Here's the good news. The shepherds, the outcasts of society, were the first people on the planet to get the good news about a Savior. He didn't, the angel didn't go to like presidents and kings and queens. He went to smelly men at night on the outside of the city, faithfully watching sheep. And he told them the good news. Were you an outcast today? Were you, were you the last person picked for dodgeball in junior high? You're the first person picked by God to hear the good news. Man, that's powerful. That's powerful. You can receive that gift with passion. Here's the second, the second scene is in Matthew chapter 2. 
totally the other end of the social spectrum, okay? So the first, the first scene is these, these shepherds that are on the outs of society, and then in Matthew chapter 2, we run into these magi. That just sounds important, doesn't it? What do you do? I'm a magi. What's a magi business card look like, right? I don't even know it glitters with gold or something. I'm a magi. We, we read about these wise men that traveled a long distance and a long time to find Jesus, And here's what we see in Matthew chapter 2, verse 10. When they saw the star, because they're following a star, and that's bizarre, but they're following a star. When they saw the star, they knew we finally found where we're supposed to be. And the Bible says this, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Sounds a little boring, right? Well, let me ask you this question. When you were little, do you remember how long it took for Christmas to come? Yeah, you're like, dude, it's taking forever. Like, if you would preach faster, I could get home and it could come quicker, right? I can't remember. Like, when I was a kid, like, December 26th was the worst day of the year because it was an entire year to get to Christmas. Remember when you got older and you started to realize how fast Christmas comes? Like, I saw somebody post yesterday on Facebook, oh, Christmas is next week. You think? Maybe you should start getting ready. It's always been December 25th, but it just seems like it just comes around a little bit faster. You and I, some maybe, hopefully not me, we'll be in a store this week shopping for last-minute Christmas gifts that we could have gotten three months ago because we just didn't think about it. And all of a sudden, oh, God, Christmas is coming. Kids never worry about that, right? Kids are waiting. It's excruciating. Kids can relate to the wise men. They're traveling and journeying and waiting and hoping, and all of a sudden, what? There's a star. And they received it. They were overjoyed. Now, overjoyed just sounds like, no, they were overjoyed. But in the Greek, in the Greek, it means this, that they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And the word for great is actually mega. Mega joy. Now, if passion moves, what does joy do? Joy rejoices. And what does joy look like? I, I wasn't sure if I could really explain what joy looks like, so I brought a video to show you what joy looks like. Okay, let's just, let's just take this video and watch it, and we'll come back. So if you ever wonder what joy looks like, it looks like this. <laughs> I don't know if you heard her say this in there or not, but he'd been waiting for two years to get that gift. See, that's the wise man, Right? That's the wise men. Two years traveling, hoping, will we ever, and all of a sudden they received the gift and they received it with joy. And joy rejoices with great, mega joy. That's how we are. The longer the search, the longer the wait, the greater the rejoicing. It's possible. It's possible that you're here this morning and you've been looking for something for a long time. Maybe what you've been looking for is Jesus. Maybe you're already following Jesus and you've been holding on to a promise from God for a long time. It's like, God, am I ever going to see this happen? The beauty of the gift, the beauty of the wise men is that when they saw the gift and you will see the gift, they were overjoyed. It never fails Jesus even said it when a woman took a bottle of perfume that was worth a year's wages and poured it on Jesus' feet. And everybody around that woman got mad at her for wasting the money. Jesus said, 
Who has been forgiven much forgives much. Who has been forgiven much will give much. You might still be walking. You might still be traveling. I promise you, you're going to receive a gift. Receive it with joy. Last one. Shepherds received the gift with passion. The wise men received the gift with joy. Mary, let's talk about Mary, the mother of Jesus. She was um, a fairly important part in the story, wasn't she? Huh. All the men laughed and all the women said, amen, right? Yeah. Men are idiots. Last picture is Mary. We'll see her back in Luke chapter 2. Before the birth ever took place, when she was visited by an angel... This is found at the end of Luke chapter 1. You ever have quiet times and they feel dry? You ever like read the Bible, pray, and you feel like God's not anywhere near you? Like, God, if you could just show up, like just show up, that would be awesome. Imagine this is your quiet time, especially, enough. if you're a guy, it'd be weird, really bizarre. But if you're a woman, imagine this as your quiet time. So here's Mary. She's a teenager. She's having her quiet time with Jesus. In the sixth month... Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. That's Bible talk for what in the world is an angel doing in here? Okay. Verse, verse 30. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Everybody said, oh. See, that's how Americans read that stuff. But put yourself in Mary's shoes. An angel just showed up during your quiet time and said, don't be afraid. You're going to get pregnant. That's, that's messed up. There's no way to understand that. But that's exactly what happened. He will be great. And he would be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Verse 34, Mary asked a question that all of us are going to ask God at some point. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she was who was said to be barren, is in her sixth month. Nothing is impossible with God. Verse 38, Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left. I kind of wrestled with, how did Mary receive the gift? Like I thought, did she receive it with awe? Did she receive it with reverence? And here's what I'm going to land on. I think that Mary received it with humility. I think that Mary did what is so hard for adults to do. Simply receive. Now, kids are okay with it, right? They just take it. Mary just received with humility. So, if passion moves and joy rejoices, what does humility do? Humility allows. Mary said, I, I don't understand this. I'm not totally sure what's going to happen, but may it be to me according to your word. Do you receive gifts with humility? Mary didn't say, well, God, I get it. Like you sent an angel to tell me about your plan to save the world. And I know all my girlfriends. 
and of course you picked me. Right? She didn't say that. She didn't approach this like, I deserve this. I've been doing quiet times for two weeks solid. She, she said, okay. Sometimes when we grow up, we tend to get a little arrogant about receiving things. That's why we get offended when we don't receive the best things or the right thing or they didn't pick out the shirt that I really liked. They gave me this nasty old pajama set, right? Because we think that we deserve it somehow. But when we receive a gift like Mary, we receive it with humility. We simply say, be to me according to your word. Are you willing today to receive the gift of Jesus with humility? Mary could have refused, but she didn't. Have you ever had somebody want to pay you for your meal? Have you ever had somebody try to give you some money? And what do we normally say? Oh, no, no, no. Don't do that. I'm good, right? Man, just, I think what God wants us to do is to learn how to receive that. Receive the gift so that the giver can receive a blessing. Words that you will never hear. On Christmas morning, in any house, from any child, oh no, no more gifts for me, please. <laughs> right? They just take them. They just receive them. I love kids. We were last night um, at my dad's house. Uh, my sister Mary and her family are getting ready to move to Ohio to go on staff at a church there. And so it was kind of like our, it was supposed to be our last like get together, but our family just were crazy. We like each other. So last night was the last get together, followed by a last lunch today, and then probably by an early breakfast tomorrow. But you know, whatever. At the end, like we're doing Christmas presents, and my um, my nephew Eli, he's like you know, about this tall, right? And so when we're done, he just he looked at my dad and he goes, "Grandpa, is there any more presents for me to open?" No, <laughs> you know, he didn't go. You did too much. Take some back, right? He just received them with humility. He just received them. Mary was the same way. And this is number four, the last one. It's a really important observation, and we'll wrap this thing up. This is for all the adults in the room. So kids, you don't have to listen to this, okay? You're already really good at this. But you'll notice about the shepherds and about the wise men and about Mary. You'll notice that the shepherds were afraid and confused when they got the gift, right? Like, what in the world's going on? There's a light show. What's, I don't know what's happening, right? They were afraid and confused. The, the wise men, they were listening to a star in dreams, okay? So they weren't quite sure what was going on. And Mary, we already read that. She had no clue what was going on. I don't know how this is going to happen, but whatever, do it. None of them received the gift with full understanding. Sometimes as adults, we feel this need to understand everything. Maybe sometimes we're just supposed to receive it, right? I don't know you. I just know me. And I find myself talking to God a lot, and it typically goes like this. God, if I could live a million years, I will never understand why you sent Jesus for me. But understanding is not a prerequisite to receiving. John 1, 5. Um, John is John 1. If you're looking for a, a passage to read for your quiet time, that'd be a great one this week. John 1 starts like this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word, the word was with God, and the Word was God. Talk about Jesus. And in verse 5, he says this, that Jesus was the light, and the light came into the darkness, and the darkness did not understand it. 
You know what I've always done? This is pride on my part, I know, because I'm a follower of Jesus. And I always read that, and I think, well, of course the darkness didn't receive Jesus, because the darkness is darkness, man. They're like total jerks. And this week, God said, you were darkness. You were a part of that dark world that did not understand the light. And then he goes on and says this in verse 12, but as many as would believe him and receive him, to those people he gave the rights to be called children of God. I was darkness that did not understand the light. And today I'm a child of God because I received the gift. Not because I earned it, deserved it, understood it, just received it. The thing about children is this. Children don't try to figure out gifts as much as they just play with them. Right? All a child needs to know is that her name is on the gift. When I was growing up, one of my favorite things to do was as gifts started showing up under the tree, you would start looking for your name, right? And it was, even, it was all the better when yours was on the big present, right? My mom got used to it. She got smart. She'd start wrapping up little tiny presents in big boxes and freak you out. But, you know, you're like, that one's for me. Here's what you need to know this morning. God has a gift with your name on it. He just wants to give it to you. And the reason why God wants to give it to you is because our God is a giver. I just want you to listen to a few, a few scriptures. Just see if you can notice a theme here. James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no shadow of change. Matthew 7.11, if you then, though you were evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more Will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Romans eleven twenty nine. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. And that means that he's never taken your gifts back. James 1, 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. 2 Corinthians nine fifteen. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Romans 3.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Ephesians 2.8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is a gift of God. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Look, you might not understand all that, you might never understand all there is to know about God, but don't let that keep you from receiving. Just to make sure that you really grab what we're talking about, I got one more video to show you. It's been going crazy on social media all week long, and um, if you've already seen it, enjoy it again. If you haven't, enjoy it for the first time, and then I'll come back up and we'll wrap it up. So what you didn't see happen in that video was any of those adults tell them to take the gifts back. And none of them understood how they did it. And that's, man, God's bigger than a cop. He's better than a cop. I want you just to take a minute and close your eyes. I want you to bow your head. And I want to introduce you to a God who wants to give you a gift that has your name on it. A gift that's better than a TV. He knows right where you are. 
He's come right where you are. This morning is your chance to receive the good gift of salvation straight from a father's heart. To receive it with passion, to receive it with joy, to receive it with humility. It's possible that you're here this morning and you've heard about this gift, you've, you've seen movies, you've read, heard stories from the Bible, but you've never really opened the gift that God has for you. His name is Jesus and He loves you. And God sent that gift to you, the perfect gift with your name on it. Not so that you could figure Him out, dissect Him, just so that like a child you could receive Him. Maybe you've done that. Maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time. But right now where you are, you know that you kind of need to open that gift again. Almost like it's the first time. It's been so long since you had that kind of a relationship with God when you saw your father as the giver of good things because you've just seen him as the taker of good things. And this morning, you know, sitting here at the gathering, that you need to taste the goodness of God again. I'm going to invite you to receive the gift that God has for you. When the gift is good and the giver is good, the only good choice is to receive. And that's where we are right now. You know the gift is good because Jesus is good. And you know the giver is good because I read you all those verses and you know that God gives good things. And when the gift is good and the giver is good, the only good choice is to receive. And I'm going to ask you right now, if you've never received Jesus, today's your day. This could be the best Christmas ever for you. And I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand and say, that's me. I've, I've never chosen to follow Jesus. I've never received that gift. I want to today. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Let me talk to the believers. The Christians, those of you that have been following Jesus, maybe you feel like the wise man, I've been following forever, I'm never going to find what I'm looking for. And this morning, you know that you need to receive the gift of Jesus again. He needs to become a gift to you. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and say, that's me, I'm, I need that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Just before we pray, thank you. Lord, all around this room, God, hands up. And we want to thank you now for being a good father who gives good gifts. And none are better than Jesus because Jesus is the gift that every other gift is a part of. So this morning, God, before we as families go crazy this week and just get lost in mountains of wrapping paper, we just want to take the time to say thank you. As your children, we want to receive the gift of Jesus like a child. Just because our name is on the gift, 
not because we understand it, we'll never understand this incredible compassion you have for us. But I pray right now for those that raise their hands and for many others that might not have, that today as we walk out, we would feel like those people did in the video who I can guarantee you drove away from that cop smiling and ready to share generously with others. Because that's what receiving this gift does. It turns us into givers. We become the shepherds who found Jesus and then want to go tell everybody else where to find him. And so I pray for this house. I pray over the gathering that today, as we walk out of this place, God, we would head out of here. We would, we would talk to servers differently at the restaurants, God. We would talk to family members differently over the holidays. Even the crazy uncles, God, we'd talk to them differently. We would show them the grace and the gift of Jesus. And we say thank you. Thank you, God, for giving us an inexpressible gift and for not taking him back. In your name, Jesus. Amen.